0: That was a good song, wasn't it? No no wall you won't kick down, no lie you won't tear down coming after me. And, and we're going to pray this morning, and I'm going to invite you as we begin our time together that you would pray and, and invite the Spirit of God to do that in your life, to, to tear down some lies. Because my guess is that a number of us, myself included, there's something we believe. And so we need God to, to show us what they are. So let's pray and jump into his word. So Father, we do, that is our our prayer and our expectation that by your spirit you would kick down the walls that we have up, that you'd tear down the lies that we've been fed, and that you would speak a better word, and that we would hear it. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. A number of months ago, I had a friend that gave me a gift, and I can't figure out if it's my favorite gift or my least favorite gift I've ever been given. It was um, one of these Echo Dots, One, of, they look like a little hockey puck and you sync it with your phone and your wireless in your home and then you can talk to it. Her name's Alexa and you can have her do a number of different things for you. I'm sure she's spying on us, don't come up and tell me that after, I know, okay, I know. But the thing that I love about it is my kids can talk to Alexa and they can tell her to play songs. And the thing that I hate about it is that my kids can talk to it and tell her to play songs. And so many days I come home and there's a dance party going on in our living room. And my little four-year-old son is the DJ. Alexa, play the final countdown. And I'm like... Alexa, play, came in like a wrecking ball. And then you got to be careful because he's coming in like a wrecking ball, right? He is running into somebody and throwing a shoulder into them. This is his version of a dance party. But here's the thing with my kids. My kids have the inability to listen to an entire song. Is anybody else with me? that they jump around so much that I'm like, there should be a pillow that comes with Alexa, okay? And so that you can scream into it when your kids start using it. It should be a packaged deal. I, I, I can't imagine having grown up as a kid with an Alexa in my home because when I grew up back in the day... I can remember driving in the car with my dad in his 1970s Honda Civic, and we had this thing that we listened to back then called the radio. (laughs) Not only that, but it didn't have anything that lit up on it in the way of numbers. It looked sort of like this. And, and you had to, I know this is going to be hard for some of you to believe, but you had to turn this dial, and the dial would, would sync it up with different radio stations. And some of them came in really good, and, and then sometimes it was static. And, and sometimes you had it going good for a while, and then you drove a little bit, and it got out of, you remember this, right? And it got, it got out of sync, right and the station that you had it programmed on it wasn't programmed on anymore and so you had there was this constant not science but art of listening not creating but listening to music some of you may have grown up and can remember gathering gathering around one of these radios to listen to shows that came on it was a form of entertainment a number of decades ago anybody never mind never mind <laughs> I think life is a lot more like this radio than it is like Alexa. I I think that there's moments where we're synced in, and then there's moments where there's just static. And I think our assumption is that if we're here this morning and we're a follower of Jesus, that it's really simple, that we just trust him, and then we sync up, and that's that. But I think you know something, and I know something, too. It's that that, that dial slips, doesn't it? That, that sometimes we're hearing the voice of God, and it's, and it's clear, and we're, what the Bible would say, in step with the Spirit, and then there's times when it's either static or it's a different station altogether. And when Pastor John wrote to this series of churches, he identified and spoke into their lives about how important it is to make sure that you're dialed in, to make sure that you're hearing the right frequencies, that you're listening listening to the right voices, because there's multiple voices that you could hear and that I could hear. And will you look up at me for a second? We all hear voices. 1 John chapter 3, will you turn with me there? Verse 24 is where we're going to start our study this morning. Because we all hear voices, and the truth is our lives are shaped by those voices that we hear and the voices that we listen to. So in chapter 3, verse 24, Pastor John, writing to this series of churches, this uh, John, who was loved by Jesus, who walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, touched Jesus, smelled Jesus, ate with Jesus, writes to his churches and says this, whoever keeps his commandments, and we've talked about this already, and his commandment is to what? Love, right. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us. So so the question they might be asking is, well, how does God abide in us? And he says, oh, this is how. By the spirit whom he's given us. Now, John anticipates a question. And this happens all throughout, especially the New Testament epistles, that the authors assume that the readers are going to have a question. And he anticipates and answers that question. The question he assumes you're going to have when you read that, how do we know we're dialed in to the right frequency? How do we know we're actually hearing the voice of God? And not just some other voice, not just our voice, not the loudest voice in the world that we live in, but but actually hearing the voice of, of God. And here's the way John answers that question. He says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out from God into the world. Uh, Verse 1, John's just simply saying there's a myriad of spirits, there's a myriad of voices, there's a myriad of messages, and so you've got to be intentional and not get swept away in the midst of all the different voices. By this you know, so he's going to answer his own question. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, the the one who is against Messiah, against the King. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming and is now in the world already. See, John's writing to a a church that's at the crossroads. They're a church that has a number of, of different voices going on in their culture, in their day. Some of them are more clear than others, but their question is, man, in the midst of all these different voices, how in the world do we know if we're hearing the right voice? And in the midst of people dying for their faith, how do we hold on to that voice and in the midst of this quasi-new religion that sprung up on the scene, that Jesus is Lord of all, how do we sort through all these voices, that, some of whom have been around longer, and actually know this is the voice above all? And so John's writing to, we would call it, a spiritual people. We live in a, a material world, and I am a material no, I'm just kidding. I was, was going to go Madonna on you. I'm not. could if I wanted to. Okay. But we live in a, a material world. This is the air that we breathe. This is the zeitgeist of life in the West, is that the physical world is all that there is. That, that would not have been so with John's audience. They lived and they knew this was a spiritual world. And I would just say anecdotally that the majority of the world today still knows that and still believes that. So John says there's other voices, there's other other spirits. And so he says, you want to know how you're listening to the right spirit? Here's the question, the one question, the only question you have to ask. What do they do with Jesus? What, What is the spirit, what is the voice, what is the message that you're hearing do with Jesus? He says, listen. If Jesus is exalted as Lord, if Jesus is exalted as, as God, then, then that's the spirit of God. If not, like notice, John's like very black and white. If not, if it's not the Spirit of God exalting the person and work of Jesus, then it's Antichrist. Not like sort of wrong. Not like, got to be on the test, didn't stick the dismount. right? No, no, no. He's like, it's either the Spirit of Jesus exalting the work of Jesus, or, or, or it's not. And it, it's one or the other. In fact, in the book of Philippians, the, the Apostle Paul will write, and he will say this. He will say, yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of what? Of whom? Jesus Christ. he All throughout the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is equated with the Spirit of Jesus Pointing us to Jesus. Right? So so Paul goes, or John says, well, that's your litmus test. So let's just pause for a moment and recognize that while we may not live in what we would perceive to be as quote unquote spiritual a world as John is writing to, that there are a number of different voices in our world, aren't there? There's a number of different things that people say about Jesus. Jesus was a good teacher. Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was a miracle worker. Jesus was a nice guy. Jesus is a figment of your imagination. There's a number of different things that the spirits or people or ideologies or worldviews will do with, with Jesus. So that would be like the religious, what the religious voices are, and there's a plurality of them. But there's also a number of voices you hear that you wouldn't attribute to religion, it's just the air that we breathe, the world that we live in. Some of the voices will say things like, new or better or more is the anthem of life. This is the psalmonic quest to just try to get more, try to get better, try to get brighter, try to get newer, and then life will be okay. Right? Which I would add that the holiday of Thanksgiving speaks directly into that lie. Because if you're caught up in a world of more, the best thing you can do is pause to give thanks for what you have. Somebody say amen. That's good. You could tweet that out this week, whatever you want. it. But, man, you don't need to go too much further than just opening your news app to figure out that we live in a world that has a number of voices, a number of things saying, build your life on this. I mean, just recently... Uh, a number of people in Hollywood have been convicted for crimes, or at least um, they've been accused of crimes, where we go, man, how in the world does something like that happen so widespread? And shame on us for looking to Hollywood to be the bastion of morality in our society. (laughs) Right? Like, it shouldn't be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe these people are messed up. Right? This should not surprise us. But you don't have to look too far on your news app or in the newspaper to see things like suicides or mass shootings, or or even just in your own soul to feel the escalating anticipation and anxiety associated with Christmas, right? And these are all voices. These are all things that we hear. And the invitation from John through the scriptures to these churches and to us today is, man, step back from the noise and step into the voice, the voice of the one true spirit. Step out of the chaos and into the clarity. Step out of the the deafness and into the life because there is a voice that speaks, a spirit who speaks above the noise and above the crowd, and that's what John wants to say. So he'll say, discern the spirits. Test them out. And figure out if they're of God, because discerning the voice you follow is so, so, so important because it determines the life that you live. Determines the life that you live because we all hear voices. In fact, will you say that with me? We all hear voices. We all hear voices. And what I've found, as I've thought about my own life and I've talked with many of you, I think there's one of two voices that's primary in our life. There's either the voice in the back of our head, the spirit that says, work, achieve, validate, earn, and prove. Prove that you're worth the skin and the breath that God gave you. And there's another voice. Some of you hear it. And some of you march to it. And some of you stay and step with it. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing because this voice says, you're my beloved with whom I'm well pleased. There's a spirit of the world, and that spirit says, earn, prove, validate, achieve more, more, more in order to be okay. And there's a spirit of God that says, you're loved. And it's that spirit that I want to invite you into today, because I think even in a Christian world, quote unquote, even in the church, I think we get this wrong so often, I'm reading a a book with uh, a few friends right now, and we're walking through it. It's a book that came highly recommended, and it's been popular for the last few months. And the book is called The Benedict Option by Rob Dreher. And uh, St. Benedict was a monk back in the... 5th and 6th centuries, and he founded 12 different monasteries and created this rule of life that many followers of Jesus have ascribed to over the years. And the rule of life is actually a really beautiful, really good thing. And so I picked up this book and we said, we should read this together, and here's what I found out, that most of the Benedict option, there's some really good parts in it, if you read the book, if you love the book, praise Jesus. If you haven't read it, wouldn't be on my top 10 for this year, just going to (laughs) say Most of it is based around fear. Retreat. Retreat. Get out of the world because the world is going downhill really quick. Have you been around Christians where when they listen to the voice of God, their first inclination is to run, to to retreat, to fear? That's, That's the premise of the book. But we also have other ways that we interact with the world. One of them might be retreat. Another might be retaliate. If I've been wronged, I'm going to be wrong. And that's what the voice of God, that's what the Spirit of God says to me. You may also hear this voice in the back of your head. I hear this one often that just says, it doesn't say retreat and it doesn't say retaliate. It just says, recline. (laughs) Praise Jesus. Just go along with it. This is where it's going, just go with it. Which makes the question all that more significant. What does the Spirit of God say? And how do we know if we're listening to His Spirit? Because just turning the switch and becoming a follower of Jesus, we can get a ton of different voices that way. What does His Spirit say? Man, I'm really glad you asked that. I don't know what I would have talked about for the next 17 minutes if you didn't ask that. Let me jump in and answer the question. From this letter, this little letter that John writes to these churches, how do we know that we're listening, that we're in step with the Spirit of God, with the voice of God? Because discerning the voices we hear is so important because it leads to the life that we live. The voices we hear lead to the life that we live. So here's what Pastor John says. He says, little children, you are from God and have, what? Say it with me, church. Overcome. You've overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. See, what John is suggesting is that there's a competition going on for the space in between your ears and in your heart. There's a competition going on, sort of like, if you ever played the game King of the Hill as a kid? John's saying the, the same type of interaction is going on with the narrative that you put in your brain and that you hear and that you live out. Which station are you going to dial as they, into? As they clean it up and as they... Oh, thought it might be the Bronco game. <laughs> which, which spirit are you going to listen to? And here's what John says. Here's what John says, that the spirit of Jesus is stronger is greater, is bigger, is more, is better. And here's his point, that when we listen to the Spirit, when we walk in step with the Spirit, it convinces us of God's strength and of his victory. And you go, well, hey, Paulson, I, I, I believe that or I want to believe that. The reality is there's some things that I believe in my life that have power, not Jesus, right? There's some things that just play in the back of my mind that make me anxious. There's some things that play in the back of my mind that make me want to retreat. There's some things that play in the back, and that's why what John is writing to these churches is so important because he goes, I get it. I understand that. There's competition for that space in your brain and in your heart. I get it. But here's what he would say. Those other voices, they certainly have power but they only have the power you give them. So the scriptures are going to teach us. They're going to press on us. And the apostle Paul writes in the book of 2 Corinthians, writing about us being both physical, material people living in a physical world, but but engaging in a spiritual battle, he writes this. He says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. A stronghold was like a picture of a a fortified city where troops gathered in to prepare for the war. He says, you've got those things in your mind and in your heart. And he says, we destroy what? Arguments. That's the spiritual battle. What are you listening to? The that's, the, that's the spiritual battle. And he goes, hey, you want, you want to fight that battle? He says, and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God? He says, and we take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ because those other voices only have the power you give them. So, so here's what Paul would say. If you want to write this down, just he, I think he would say three things. What, you've got to recognize the voices that are playing in your head. The spirit of the antichrist, John would say. The the anti-messiah, the one who's against Jesus. You've got to identify it. You've got to to recognize it. Here's the second thing you've got to do. You've got to rebuke it. You've got to tell it it's a lie. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his um, essays on spiritual depression, he says, we spend way too much time listening to ourselves. We've got to spend more time talking to ourselves identifying the lies and pointing them out. So so we recognize it, we rebuke it, and then we redirect it. He says, listen, we've got to make every thought captive under the lordship of Jesus. What does this tell us about Jesus? How does this fit under the work of Jesus? How does this fit under the victory of Jesus? We would call this renewing our mind. And it's what the Spirit longs to do in you because there's victory possible. Other voices have power, but only power we give them, because the Spirit of God lives in us, and, and John would say, that Spirit is greater. Can you see his church going, oh man, that's a game changer? And He goes on, and here's what he says next. He wants to push back against a generally conceived notion about what God is like. And so he says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love God does not know God. Will you say this with me? Because God is love. You may have heard it read right at a wedding You may have heard it read in a a little devotional, God is love, and it's sort of this nice, warm feeling. John's speaking into a lie. He's speaking into a lie that many people in his culture believe. Growing up in a a Greco-Roman type of culture, their view of the gods would have been very different than this view of God. The very world was birthed in a Cosmic battle, according to them. And human beings were just simply created to serve God. And if they did a poor job, they should expect to be striked down. So when John writes, God is love, his original audience would have been scratching their head. He's love, and well, what else? He's love, and he's angry. No. He's love and he's vindictive. No. He's love and he's going to crush his enemies. No. He's love, period. And what John doesn't say, he could have. What he doesn't say is that God is loving as if to say that that's one of the attributes or characteristics that we could attach to God. Certainly, he is loving, but he's loving because he is love. It's the very essence of his character, and that's what John wants to point out, because the Spirit of God, as the Spirit of God works in your heart and life and mine, what it points out to us is what God is like. And God is love. It's, it's very essence. Let me describe it to you like this, as a, as a father. I love my kids, and when I'm healthy, everything I do flows out of my love for them. I, I get messed up and twisted sometimes just like you do, and, and I, get, I get angry, but even my anger flows out of my, my love. Even my discipline of them flows out of my love for them. I, I want them to become the kind of people who love the life that God's invited them to live. I don't want them to be jerks. It's because I love them. And because I can see the writing on the wall, if you keep going down that road, it's going to lead to a place where you don't want to go. The limitations I put in their life are because I love them. Any parents want to say amen? Yeah. And the same is true of God. If you were to get down underneath everything, here's what you'd learn about God. He's love. The reason for creation? Love. The reason for redemption? Love. The reason for incarnation, love. The reason for it all, take a deep breath, just do it right now. The reason you're able to do it, love. That's what's behind it all. And so what John says, he goes a little bit further, and and he says this, he says, listen, I want to describe it to you even better. He says, in this, the love of God was made manifest. It appeared, the, the veil was pulled back on just the extravagance and extent of the love of God, the, the reckless love of God. And this is love, it was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. He says, you want to know the extent and extravagance of God's reckless love? Look no further than the person and work of Jesus. Exhibit A. So here's the thing. If God's angry, if God's simply out for retributive justice, Jesus makes no sense. And that's John's point. Jesus makes absolutely no sense if God simply is angry and just wants justice. You can't get to Jesus if that's God's motive. And not only that, but he says that that Jesus does something else, and this is love. Not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the sacrifice, the covering of our sins, And so here's John's point. Don't start to think. Don't let the spirit inside you say, God loves you if. If that's the voice you hear, I can assure you it's not the voice of God. Why? Well, because God in his very essence and nature is love. It is impossible for God to do anything except love. Let that sink in for a moment. It's impossible for God to do anything outside of love. Because that's who He is. And He goes, okay, even the people who were against Him, not that we've loved God, that's not the narrative that we share in the back of our head, that's not the story we tell. Even people that didn't love Him, He loved. Why? Well, because He's love. So, is that what you're hearing? If they, win, if they don't get back on the right track and on the w- <laughs> I think I just told you you gotta get back on the right track. <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Let's close in prayer. I think you've heard it. <laughs> Is that the voice you're hearing? Not 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 that, but This is what God is like. Through and through, always and forever, for all of eternity, God will be not loving, He will be love. Therefore, all throughout this passage, He says things like verse 7, let us love one another. Verse 11, let us love one another. Verse 12, let us love one another. Verse 20, love your brother. He goes, listen, the bar's not all that high. Just don't hate the people around you because that's what God is like. He he doesn't hate his enemies. He dies for his enemies. And so here's what the spirit does. The spirit not only reinforces the victory that God has for you, not only does he remind you of the character of what God is like, but he says, follow me. And he charts the course of what it looks like to live in the way of love. And early followers of Jesus, they got this. this is like, they were like, this is our anthem. We're people who love. Before they had a Bible, they had a command, at least a New Testament, they had a command. Love the people around us. Everyone, period. Always, period. There's no footnote. There's no like, choose your own adventure. You get to love if or when. No, it's As a follower of Jesus, you don't get to choose if you're going to love, you just simply get to choose how. And it's what the Spirit would stir in you if you're listening. The soundtrack to the world says, "Hate, get revenge, get yours, defend yourself, come out on top at all costs. But the Spirit of God says... Here's how John ends this section. The Spirit's affirmation into our fear. By this, as we live in the way of love, verse 17, I'm jumping down a little bit. By this, love is perfected or completed or fulfilled with us. So that we have confidence. Circle that word, star that word, highlight it in your Bible. That we have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. And they have this great verse that my guess is you've heard at some point. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Now now notice, the anthem of Christianity, the calling, the command above it all is to love, but what John says is if you get the character of God wrong, you're going to get the command wrong. Because if you don't recognize that God loved you first, you won't live in the way of love. But if you do, I mean, you are, you are released into that way. And what John claims, this is a great verse, verse 18 is an amazing verse. There's no fear in love. And we apply it in a number of different ways. And I think there are applications of it in other ways, but John's specific and unique application is this. If God is love, and you know that in the depths of your bones because you're living in the way of love, you don't need to fear standing before God. You can do so with confidence. And so many people live their lives afraid of God. They they live their lives under what I would claim to be sort of um, uh, this, uh, this experience of Dante's inferno written in the 14th century, epic poem, where Dante takes this journey, or Virgil takes this journey through the nine rings of hell, and in each one, somebody's being tortured for their sins. I think a lot of our view of God comes more from Dante than it does from Bible. Because here's what John would say to you and to me, that knowing the Spirit, it calms our fears, it casts out our fears. And some of you are saying, well, hey, Paulson, I've read my Bible and I know that the Bible says that we should fear God. The the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom, right? It's in there um, over a hundred times. What do we do with that? Well, here's what we do. We always read the Bible through the lens of Jesus first, because Jesus is ultimately what God has to say, okay? So that's where we start. We start with Jesus, and then we try to figure out, what does this mean to fear God? It it means awe, it means reverence, it means worship, it means ascribing and attributing the power that's due to him, he created it, it all, But what John is saying is that while God certainly has the power and ability to crush us, instead, he chooses to use that same power and ability to love us. He uses that power to speak into our lives and to calm our fears. And some of us just, we need to listen to that voice today. Because we've been living the narrative of self-rejection. We've been living the narrative of fear. We've been letting those voices of the things that we've done in our past and the failures and the shortcomings speak a word over us. And today, the Spirit of God wants to speak a better word. I love the way that Henry Nouwen put it when he said this. He said, self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life. Because it contradicts the sacred voice that declares we are loved. Being the beloved expresses the core truth of our existence. We are loved as creatures both with limitations, he says, and with glory. The voice of self rejection is what John would call antichrist, anti God, anti love. Anti-goodness. So the question is, which tape are you listening to? Which story are you hearing? Four different times in this passage, live in the way of love, live in the way of love, live in the way of love. It's what the Spirit was saying to the church back then, and it's what the Spirit of God says to South Fellowship Church today. Let the Spirit invite you into victory. Let Spirit invite you into recognizing the character of God is love at his very essence. That's not what he does. It's who he is. It's why he does everything he does to chart the course forward with us, for us and to affirm over us a calming of fears, as Romans chapter 8 would say. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. That's not what's inside of you. It might be what you're listening to, but it's not the spirit of God. You, follower of Jesus, you received a spirit that says you are adopted as sons and daughters of the king. So here's what we get the opportunity to do. As St. Augustine so poignantly put, love and say it with your life. Don't just love with emotion. Anybody can do that. Love in action. Love when it's easier to hate. Let the Spirit empower you. Love when it's easier to hate. When it's easier to say, it's us against them. When it's easier to say, they've hurt me, they've wronged me, therefore I'm going to lob grenades back towards them. When it's easier to hate, choose, allow the spirit to prompt you into the way of love. When it's easier to fear, love. When you'd rather retreat and just be around people that you perceive can't hurt you, love. Here's the thing about love. Love requires proximity. You can't love from a distance. You can only love intimately. And finally, love when it's easier to concede. Lest you think that love just means sitting back and letting people around you do whatever they want to do. Speak a better word. Speak a word of hope. Speak a word of resurrection. Speak a word of life. Speak a word of love. So as our worship team comes back up and leads us in one last song, I just want you to put your stuff away, just down for a moment. And I just want to carve out a few seconds for you to Listen. For you to listen to this God who speaks. Jesus said, my, my sheep, they hear my voice. And now that you have this grid, we know what the Spirit of God wants to lead us to, to to recognize the victory that we have. And so maybe the word that you hear as you listen is a word of God speaking victory into some of your fears right now, into some of the things that you're carrying that you think you're never going to get over. Maybe you hear the Spirit speak a word about God being love. Maybe your view of God is different than that. Would you let Him speak to you this morning? Maybe the word's more specific. Maybe it's about the way that you're living. Would you be open to his loving correction? Maybe you're afraid. Afraid of God. Afraid of this world. Would you let love speak a better word? Jesus, we're listening. Verse 12 of chapter 4 says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. You know what John's saying is, as you listen to the spirit of God and as you live in the way of God, while people might not be able to see God literally around them, what will happen is they will see this God through you. They can't see him literally, but they can see him through you. If he's love, when you love, you point to your God. The only way we do that, the only way we do that is if we first know that we're loved. So Jesus, I pray as we listen to your voice, your voice above all the others, your voice above the crowd, Our prayer is that you would speak a word of love over us that would release us to live in the way of love. Spirit, speak over our fears. Speak into our anxieties. Spirit, speak into the lies. Break down those walls, we pray. In the name of Jesus.